Welcome into the Think Deeper podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Jack Wilkie, joined once again by Joe Wilkie, Will Harab. How are you guys doing this morning? Doing well, real well. Doing great. Yeah, doing great. you guys are getting the special privilege of, of once again joining in studio. I'm the guy that's always over here by myself in Texas, but uh, you're getting to hang out together. That's that's uh, neat. That's a nice benefit of living in that part of the country together. So, um, just got to get you up here. I was going to say, you could always move. Yeah, the closer. pressure's always on, but uh, Texas is pretty, well, other than the heat, Texas is pretty great. So, um, before we get to this episode, a couple of housekeeping items. Number one, uh, it was brought to our attention by one of our listeners, thanks for reaching out, that our podcast disappeared from Google Podcasts last week. So, um, if you're listening to this on another app, whether Spotify, whether our, our website, through SoundCloud, however you're getting it, um, we're back on there, but we're not quite sure what happened, what the technical difficulty is. You might need to resubscribe. So if you, you are a Google Podcast user, uh, go check on that. Make sure you're still subscribed to Think Deeper. Not sure what the technical issue is there. Uh, obviously, a bit of frustration on our end, but um, just just check on that. Make sure you're still subscribed. The other thing, uh, we're continuing our Think Fast videos, so we really want to encourage you to record or record, subscribe to our YouTube channel, uh, Focus Press. Check that out. We've got a lot of great videos up already. We're going to keep those coming. Help us as well, the Focus Press Facebook group. We're, we're putting up polls on what you want us to talk about and what topics you find interesting. You can give us input, feedback on that. And so be sure you're subscribed to the Focus Press YouTube channel. If you're a Facebook user, if you're in the Focus Press group, make use of that. Um, we want to interact. We want to talk about things that matter to, to the people who are listening. And so be sure to avail yourself of those opportunities. Um, we didn't have much success. We didn't like the way it was going of putting the Think Fast audio in your podcast feed. So if you want those, you're going to have to go ahead and, and uh, subscribe and get them on YouTube. Not too hard to find. So so check us out over there. Make sure to take advantage of that. All right, let's get into today's topic. This week's episode should be pretty universal uh, in, its, in its scope, I guess, of what we're talking about, which is just navigating the internet as Christians. We've got a few different uh, points we want to hit, a few different stops along the way that we're going to get to in this one, but we're going to start with social media, using social media to the glory of God. It's it's come a long way uh, in the last roughly almost to 20 years at this point. Uh, you know, very early on with MySpace, that's actually even a little ahead of my time. Um, and, and then Facebook and then Twitter and then Instagram and uh, you know, YouTube is a social media of sorts on it, on its own, and uh, TikTok, Snapchat. I mean, just uh, there's there's no end to the connections that we have, and and through all of it, the church has has kind of navigated this as it has come onto the scene. Like, what are we going to do about this, and um, how how are we to to approach all of this? Uh, what what's the best way to put a, a Christian face forward on social media? Because you know, it's very easy to think of this as like not real life. And we talk about that. Oh, social media is not real life. It's not real life. Yes and no. In a sense, it very much is. In, in a sense, it's very much the, the public square. Uh, it's it's the hangout where everybody goes. And who you are there is showing something to the world. And so it's something to be very careful about. And um, we want to look at some of the, the angles of this, of kind of is there room for for negativity and criticism? Is is you know there's sometimes debate among Christians, uh, you know, online that takes place online. And is that good for the church or bad for the church? Um, especially you know over the last five 
or so years, it's just increased more and more. Memes and satire being part of our our daily social media use. And so let's talk about those things a little bit. Um, let's start with, with the problem of negativity and maybe infighting in the church. Um, what have you guys seen over your years of social media where where the where social media gets used poorly, I guess? You know, it's funny. I, I was going to ask, um, Jack, do you remember a world before social media? I think you would probably have the best shot, Joe, possibly. I don't. I mean, obviously, I'm, you know, the Facebook, I guess. Um, I certainly don't remember MySpace, but, you know, somebody that's my age, I'm 22 and younger, we don't really remember a world, you know, without social media, or at least whenever we got to the point where we understood what it was. That's all we've ever known. Um, and so one of the things that I have especially observed, as I'm sure most people have over the last several years, is what Jack just hit on, and that is this idea of the negativity that is espoused across social media. You know, you get on with the, you know, obviously the political divides, the when, you know, anytime there's an election year, anytime there's a major cultural issue, there's a, even among Christians, obviously COVID showed us a ton of just how social media can cause so much division and negativity. And the sad thing is, once again, even among Christians. And so, you know, it goes without saying whenever, you know, to start this discussion off that social media has so many positive uses. I mean, you might've heard about this podcast because of social media, right? I mean, we use social media for so many things. Uh, and yet the, the purpose for this episode is we have to be careful as, as well as it is with anything else. We have to make sure that we understand the pitfalls, the downsides. And this first one that we're addressing, this negativity among Christians is, is one of the, the chief downfalls, is one of the chief pitfalls that we see. Uh, so Jack, to answer your question before I kick it to Joe, I've observed quite a bit just with the, with the political discussions, with the COVID gripes and people, you know, kind of slamming the other side with sarcastic, you know, memes or sarcastic, you know, little spurts of information. It's, 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 it's tough to watch sometimes. It's tough to get on there and read, even though from somebody who's a naturally sarcastic person like myself, Joe, what have you seen? Because again, you're a little bit older than me, and so maybe this goes back even farther for you. Sure, sure. Yeah, I, I remember MySpace. Um, it's interesting that that was kind of the Wild West. Mom wouldn't allow us on. Uh, MySpace was for like punk rock bands is kind of what it seemed like. And like, well, you know, we don't, we don't handle that. And you look at it now, it's like, wow, how tame was that compared to what we have today? The thing that's interesting to me, though, is when it first came onto the scene, and again, I'm a 94 so I was, what, 10 when Facebook was dropping. Um, old enough to know what was going on, but not old enough to really be a part of like the first movement. I was too young for that. Mom wouldn't allow us on. There's there's multiple things to that. But um, I remember it seemed more like a place to, to do exactly what it was intended to do. Share some family photos. Keep up with a few close friends who, you know, you haven't seen in a little while. And so you're connecting with old high school buddies or whatever it may be, right, for the average person. And you're letting them know what life was about how your life turned out, what your kids look like, things like that. And there's a part that that's still true today, but how much more has it shifted toward everybody needs to know what I'm thinking at all hours of the day. Twitter's really bad about this. But I find that it's the same with with Facebook of like, I honestly feel like people have gotten so much more egotistical. Like people have to know time. my opinion about every single we, issue we, that's out there, right? Correct. Exactly. I have a hot take on everything, which I actually do, but I don't, uh, I don't post it on social media because I realize the, the divisive nature of some of those things. And so that to me seems to be the big shift. And, and Jack, you would know more going back because you were older and, and I think you were, you weren't on Facebook first thing, but you know, you were definitely an early user um, of social media and such. But yeah, it seems like it shifted from being a family friendly, like let's just keep up with everybody to 
Everybody needs to know what I'm thinking at all times. Well, when that's the case, you do get into the negativity. You do get into some really divisive things. The question that I would have is, is it wrong for people to know what you think? It, we now have a platform for thousands, hundreds of friends, thousands of people to now know what we think. Is that a bad thing? Is that a good thing? In some ways, I see that as a good a good thing. And this speaks to the positive nature of social media. Like, hey, we can get a really solid message out. You look at something like the Focus Press. You guys reach thousands of people. That's a really positive thing. How else would you reach thousands of people across the world without something like this? At the same time, I can post a negative comment on something and thousands of people can read it and it can ruin my reputation. If I'm posting for something like a focus press, it can ruin their reputation. I mean, it can, and it can also hurt a lot of people. Obviously, first and foremost, it can, it can hurt a lot of people. So it's kind of a double-edged sword of there are some positivity, there are some positive things about people knowing you um, and knowing your thoughts. And there can be some really negative things, especially when careless words and things like that come in. But Jack, I want to kick it back to you here in terms of, first off, you were one of the earlier users. Um, and so I want to know your thoughts on kind of your own question of how you've seen it evolve and change over the years. But also I want your thoughts just on, on that, speaking to the last part of it, of like, do you view it as a positive for people to have a massive audience these days? Yeah. Um, I, I'm not like one of the earliest users, but it's kind of funny this year. I will have, you know, the, the Facebook memories thing. I'll have some coming up this year that are 15 years old. That wow. is so crazy to me. The, the 15 years of my life, I've had a Facebook account. And you're right, you know, about kind of what it was early. In fact, you look back at some of those early posts like, I am going to eat lunch with my friend. You know, like that's what people were posting. And, and you look back on like, wow, that was so lame. And it's like, but it was also kind of wholesome. And, yep. and you've, you see this stuff, you can look up articles, Google, stuff like this if anyone's interested, but about the algorithm and how it favors controversy and how it, mm. it favors bold opinions. And, and Because part of that is engagement. If I post something uh, inflammatory you know, and something uh, controversial and 80 people get in there and start debating it, that's going to keep showing up in feeds, keep showing up in feeds because it tells the algorithm this is a popular post, keep putting it up. And so you're going right. to see controversial stuff. And it's kind of funny. Uh, if people are Facebook friends with me, it happens. <laughs> you know, you guys know. You guys. In fact, I'll get texts from you guys every now and then. What is going on? What was with that comment? Isn't it like a once a week thing at this point? Uh, pretty much. much. Here's the thing. Jack like, has hacked Facebook. I, you know, my, I tell Alice and my wife this. You know, regularly. Like every now and then, I'll post something. I'm like, okay, this. I need to say it, but this is you know gonna get some some pushback. Rarely. Most of the time, when I post something and it just goes nuts, it's like. I didn't, I didn't think that was controversial. You know, it's like you pick up your phone three hours later and I've got 30 comments and I'm like, what, what, what happened here? Right, you know? Right. And, and so, um, but this is what you get of, working for Brad for a decade is true. you yeah, learn Brad, from the master. Brad is man, the king get, of <laughs> stirring. The you get like a thousand comments on a post. It's unbelievable. He has had well, that, one, yeah. one thing I will comment about this though. And you guys, I want, I want your thoughts on it. As far as Joe, your question, is this a good thing? Is this a bad thing? One of the things I do think is, is more of a negative, more of a, uh, a bad thing is that people have grown, shall I say, far too sensitive online. You know, it's, you know, we've, we've belabored the point before that nobody can disagree anymore. You know, it's you have to agree with my opinion on, again, X, Y, or Z, anything, COVID, politics, whatever. Otherwise, you're a terrible person and you're a jerk, right? And so people, to your point, Jack, you'll post something and you're like, yeah, not really all that controversial. And you'll get 100 comments because people have gotten to the point that they... They're so sensitive about certain things, so defensive about certain things. And again, I'm in favor 
of, you know, the marketplace of ideas, right? Of people getting on there, sharing their thoughts. And, you know, I, I think that does help with a lot of things, kind of makes the world go round. Getting people's ideas on things and having good, wholesome discussion. What I'm not a fan of is this constant, again, defensiveness and, and getting sensitive about every single little issue. And I think that is one of the downsides, Joe, about your question. Everybody now has an audience, but everybody also now has gotten qu- quite a bit softer, I'll say. A lot more sensitive about, well, if somebody disagrees with me, then they must be attacking me, right? That is a downside. Well, we think and they make moral like judgment. About us, right? You know, mm-hmm. like if somebody yeah. that I've bar- – maybe somebody I've never even met posts something and it's like I'm going to take that as the way that applies to me and get offended by it. That's that's just not a good way to navigate. And I think First Corinthians 13, love you know, bears all things and believes all things are, are important attributes to have here of – Believing the best of people, benefit of the doubt, that kind of thing, and you know, like the I, I've gotten that. The so you're saying this, and you're 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 saying that people like me are used. Like, no, not at all. That like that this wasn't about you at all. And, and I think that's a good rule of thumb that Will's kind of getting that of like, if it's not about you, or if you're a very clear exception to something being said, then it's not for you. Like my mother-in-law posted that thing that goes around about the sign of a good citizen is putting your shopping cart away real basic just clean up after yourself is kind of the message of it and she got comments well i'm a young mother and it's really hard when i'm buckling my kids in and i don't want to leave them in the car and then somebody else well i'm handicapped and i'm like it's not about you okay they're like but we want to get offended and so that's not good the other side of it you know again courting controversy for when when social media first came out man again i look back on some of those posts and i would just get on and just let fly um, I had <laughs> yeah. this, this free blogspot.com blog before I started with Focus Press where I'd get on and just write stuff. And I mean, I had people from like all over the world coming in and arguing with me. And I'm like, I don't know who any of these people are. It was bizarre looking back on it, but I'm just throwing things out and people are getting mad at it. It, it wasn't good. So then I went the other way. I'm like, I shouldn't post controversial opinions, you know, for, in fact, for a year there, my main Facebook account, I had shut down and through all the COVID stuff. Facebook through... was so much more boring when he shut his account down. <laughs> That's so true. That's so why true. we didn't have a podcast the whole time. There's nothing to talk about. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> there you go. Uh, um, anyway, so through, you know, all the, the racial in infighting and, and unrest in 2020, all the COVID stuff, just everything that kept coming around. And it's like, there's truths that need to be said. And so I was writing them to my personal website, not not Focus Press, and they would get some run even though I wasn't even on Facebook to post them. But it was like, I, I think these things need to be said. And so you really do have to make that decision of, if I'm going to be controversial, it needs to be for the right reasons. It, it needs to be because I'm saying true words that somebody else is not saying or that, that need to be amplified to other people, that it's not about glorification of me, it's not about stirring the pot and getting arguments, it's saying... This is right, and people aren't saying it enough, and, and so we need to say this. And so where I went to that place of let's just not talk about it, uh, that's not okay. That's not uh, – when when the when truth is hidden that way to avoid offense, that's bad for everybody. And so we mm-hmm. do need to say true things. We also need to not be inflammatory, not be, um, you know, over the top with it, but just say this is how it is. But uh, that leads, I think, to – this other thing that I mentioned a bit ago that I, I want to talk about and see what you guys think about it. It was uh, five years ago or so. Babylon B comes on the scene, and you know we've the Onion's been around. Satire's an, a, an old thing, but the Babylon B, just because of its angle, because of you know it, it, it was kind of towards Christians at first, and uh, it's right wing and all that. 
it's massive. I mean, Babylon B played a significant part in why Elon Musk bought Twitter, like because they were shut down for their satire and, and like free speech and all that. It is a cultural phenomenon. Real, real quick, Jack, explain to anybody who might not be familiar with the Babylon Bee, just kind of the essence of their posts. Yeah, you it, said it's it, satire, but it's, like... Yes, yeah, satire, and, you know, they do a little bit of both ways, but it does lean more right-wing politics. Um, you know, uh, as I said, it start, at the first, it was very Christian-focused, you know, jokes about Joel Osteen. I'll never forget, like, a month into Babylon Bee at a preacher's uh, lunch, and... Uh, two or three of them talking about, did you see that Joel Osteen and that hurricane in Houston was riding his yacht through the city handing out copies of his book? I'm like, oh, oh man, oh, man. It's a joke. Guys, but... Um, but, but basically poking fun at stuff like right, that. Right, poking yeah, fun. Yeah, and then, of course, so memes. Good. You know, memes tell a story, tell a truth in, in a pithy little quote way, uh, you know, and, and just get a point across in... in just a real brief way, but sometimes it can be a little snarky. It can be a little sarcastic. What do you guys think of these things? Uh, I've seen pushback from some preachers lately of, you know, Jesus wasn't snarky. Jesus wouldn't share a meme that cut somebody down. Jesus wouldn't, you know, it was satire and, and, and kind of against these things. And as we talk about the divide on social media, as we talk about the controversy, this is a significant, humongous part of it where we are today. So what do you guys think of those things? I actually do think that Paul, Jesus... Uh, you see certain phrases that they use, especially as you dig more into the Greek sometimes, like they are sarcastic, basically. I mean, not in a cutting way, but they're they're kind of sarcastic. And I don't think they shied away from controversy um, in any way. And so I look at it and I say, and what goes back to your previous point, Jack? What's the heart behind it? This is why reading text is so difficult. Texts are very, very helpful, um, very uh, time uh, I don't know. They're just, they're huge helps. At the same time, we've all sent texts where they didn't get the heart behind it. And they go, whoa, 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 what are you trying to say here? And you go, oh, I didn't mean that at all. You know, I didn't mean to offend. And I think that's a lot of social media. And so when we send these memes, when we're sharing memes, satire, we have to check our heart and say, what's the heart behind me sending? Is this to be inflammatory and to blow up my Facebook feed and get everybody super ticked at me? Or is it because I think there's a truth that needs to be said? Or I just think it's hilarious. And that's the heart doesn't often come behind it. And so people, to your point, Will, can be very quick to get offended at these things. And I think we have to take it in stride and say, is it okay for Christians to to post these memes and satire? I'd say check your heart on that. But I don't see why I think humor is a natural part of, of scripture. It's a natural part of um, you know, God's got a sense of humor. Humor. Okay, and, well, hold on. You said Paul, Jesus, give some examples because you know, some people might say, No, no, they wouldn't they wouldn't do that. I I think you're right, but what are some of the things they say that you would qualify under that? Sure. So um Paul in talking to like the Corinthians or in talking to I was I had one specifically and and it um it's kind of the Wayne Burger. I had a thought, but it died of loneliness. Um, there's, uh, one that comes to mind for me is with the Galatians, uh, you know, about... Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's okay. right. Mutil- that's, little, thank little you. That's the one. Thirteen, you know, where the one. people are trying to push circumcision uh, on themselves, and your translation might say, well, I wish they would cut themselves off. That's quite a, a play on words there by the Apostle Paul, but that's one. Another one I think yes. of is uh, Elijah on Mount Carmel. We have the term trolling. Oh, yeah. He was just straight up trolling the prophets yeah, of Baal. Hey, maybe yeah. maybe he's in the bathroom. Maybe where's your idol? You know, where's yeah. your god? Because he's he's not showing up, guys. Where is he? Elijah was trolling. Okay, so there's that. But the, I, I think Jesus had some that, as well, kind of go to that. He called Herod a fox. Uh, called them a brood of vipers. You know, um, just read Matthew twenty three. Yeah, Matthew twenty three. I mean, the woes. As somebody pointed out uh, yesterday, when they come to arrest him, he's like, "Oh, nice guys. I was staying in the temple yesterday, but." 
I guess you're going to come get me here in the in the garden in the middle of the night. Sure. Even the whitewashed tombs calling him that, you know, where there's a little bit of, obviously he's, it's the woes and he's calling, he's making a very clear point, but he's using illustrations and things like that, that we might consider to be very harsh. And I, I don't think he was against that per se. It's the heart behind it and it's how we choose to handle it. And I think that's where we get in trouble on social media is there's one that is clearly going to offend, clearly going to hurt. And we post it. I don't think that's right. But I think, you know, Joel Osteen cruising through, uh, you know, Houston on his yacht, handing up. But that's just hilarious. The one about that's the hilarious. one about the wordle where he couldn't get the word Bible. <laughs> yeah, that's that, right. <laughs> that was the funniest one. My goodness. No, but a. Um, but, go ahead, Joe. Finish your thought. Go ahead. No, 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 no. Go for it. Go for it. I was just gonna say. I think you're right. It, it is the heart behind it. A modern day example of this. Jack posted a picture that was very, very hurtful the other day when he posted that the Avs beat the Preds two to one on the in the wake of of my team getting getting beat it was very hurtful jack no but the, the 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 point behind all this is jesus was not afraid to speak the truth you know again we we have beat this dead horse for a while now we are not called to simply be nice to everybody and i think the point behind all of this is that when people are say those things like well jesus wouldn't have shared that meme jesus wouldn't have used satire in this way jesus spoke truth jack's brought up before the woman at the well he was very blunt with her you know, and saying, you've been with five people, you've had five husbands, and you're right, the person you're with now is not your husband. He didn't beat around the bush. And so whenever we're, we're, we're talking about social media here, we don't need to be abrasive. We don't need to be going about, you know, who can I offend today? Who can I really tick off with my post, right? If people are out there doing that, that I'd say that is a problem. But that doesn't mean we should shy away from truth. That doesn't mean we should, well, I'm, I'm not going to, you know, like what Jack was saying earlier, I'm not going to say this because it might stir the pot a little, it might... You know, people might get upset about it. Jesus spoke the truth. Paul certainly spoke the truth. They both did. And, you know, sometimes that can be communicated in a, let's just call it a, a more satirical way, right? A more sarcastic way. I don't think there's a problem with that, Jack, to answer your question. But I want to move on to, to kind of the next area, unless you guys have anything else to add to, to this. All right. Secondly, when it comes to using the internet wisely as Christians, we need to talk about safety. This is something that is kind of funny growing up with the internet coming around. Uh, the online stranger danger thing kind of was a big thing for a while. And and there still is that in catfishing where people pretend to be someone else and you know try to lure children. I mean, there's some dangerous stuff out there. But I think there became a lot of awareness out there about people trying to set up offline meetups in real life and things like that. But unfortunately a little bit less awareness, a little bit less safety towards the kind of things that are put out there, the kind of ideas um, that are introduced to kids. And one of the, the things that you need to consider, especially with your family, for yourself and for your kids, you know, we need to be careful of strangers, but are we careful enough of their ideas? Um, with Joe, we're going to give it to you to talk about some of the apps that kids are watching and some of the ideas that are coming through these things and, and what parents should watch for. But one of the questions you have to ask is, would you allow this person in your home? Would you allow the kinds of people that are on TikTok, YouTube, you know, all, all of these apps that kids are accessing to come in and tell your kid about gender and sexuality? Well, of course not. But they're walking right into your home through the, the screen. And so... Uh, there's a lot that people need to be aware of. I I've, I've, might have said this before, but as kids, we would watch TV. Mom would walk through the room doing different housework or whatever, and she could hear what was going on, and if she didn't like it, it was, hey, change the channel, don't watch that show. You give a kid an iPad, you give a kid a phone, you give them headphones, AirPods, 
total privacy. And not only that, but they can take it into their room, take it into the bathroom, they take it to school, they take it everywhere they go, out of your sight all the time. It is incredibly dangerous. And so uh, Joe actually just spoke on this here recently. And so you've got a, 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 some information loaded up about apps to watch for, about some of the problems that are rising up. So um, get into that a little bit for us. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's a few, and I talked a lot about um, all the dangers involved. There are a few specific ones to be aware of to keep kids safe online. Uh, and to your point, Jack, I was just thinking as you were talking about mom coming into the room, isn't it always true like moms have that sixth sense that they walk in right when, like it's a perfectly clean 30-minute TV show and there's like five seconds where they cuss or something and that's exactly when mom walks in. I don't know how it works. It happens. My wife's got the same. It's just unbelievable. Um for some quick statistics, though, for those out there uh, that, that are curious about things like online predators, there's an estimated 500,000 online predators active each day. Uh, the number of sexual predators and online sexual offenses has doubled in the last three years alone. This is getting a lot worse. But here's the interesting thing I wanted to pull out. Um, 65% of online sex offenders use the victim's social networking site to gain home and school information. 26% of offenders use the site to gain the information about the victim's whereabouts at a specific time. One in four for that, but 65% use the victim's social networking. Uh, more than 82% of online sex crimes originating from social networking sites, um, predators use to gain insight into their victim's habits and likes. 82% of those. Uh, an estimated 89% of sexual advances directed at children occur in internet chat rooms and through instant messaging. Here's why this is important. Most of these apps, and I'm going to run through a few here um, in a second, they are social networking, or they're, they're instant messaging apps. So all of the cool apps that kids are on these days, yeah, there's like Among Us, and there's a, a few things like that. I don't even know if that's that big a deal these days. But a lot of them are instant messaging and chat-related, very much like Snapchat and such, which is also losing a little bit of its, its prominence. But um, <clears throat> most people are aware of TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, YouTube, Reddit, uh, even Twitch, you know, a streamer's app. WhatsApp is a big one, but there's multiple. Telegram, a lot of adults are on that, but Kik, K-I-K, Sarah Ha, uh, GroupMe, After School, Ask.fm, Whisper, Yik Yak, um, TBH, House Party, Telenim, VSCO. I mean, there's so many out there, and these are, when I was studying for my presentation, I just looked up what, what apps are teens on these days, I think this was the first three links, and I had 29 different apps, most of which I'm in this world, and I had not heard of them. One particular one for people to be aware of are these calculator apps. Um, parents, if you see a calculator app on your kid's phone, click into that, figure out what it is. The, the phone, usually, I think every phone comes built in with a calculator. You don't need a calculator app. Most of those are hiding messages, messages or hiding um, photos. So that's something for parents to be aware of, and a lot of kids can get into that. But you look at some of these statistics, we have cyberbullying statistics. 65% uh, of 8 to 14-year-olds have been involved in a cyberbullying incident. Uh, over 50% of adolescents and teens have been bullied online, and about the same number have engaged in cyberbullying. 70% of kids encounter sexual or violent content online while doing homework research. I know that to be true because even my sister, you know, Jack, uh, Jack and our sister, Anna, did the same thing. She was looking for, I, I believe it was a monologue um, when she was going to act. She was trying to find something that may have been um, may have been Alice in Wonderland or something and ran across a porn site accidentally, a very violent, um, aggressive porn site. These things happen. This is It's intended to be an innocent thing, and yet 
these things pop up. They know where to find, uh, you know, these predators know where to find kids. These porn sites, they know what they know what kids are looking at. They know what people are looking at to try to get them hooked. And so they're very smart. The people on the other end of it trying to get your kids are intelligent. They're smart. They are, um, well, they're groomers, right? They know what, where your kid's going to go and they know how to groom them. I read a story, and then I'll say this and pass it along, but I, I read a story um, even a game like Roblox, and there's a nine-year-old up in, I think it was Spokane, who got through a chat messaging on Roblox, because you can chat, and the guy pretended to be the um, pastor of the kid's church that he went to, and ultimately ended up, and you can't send photos through it, but he got the kid to go to another app and send him intimate photos of himself, a nine-year-old. So now there's child pornography floating around, and this started on Roblox, where the guy was claiming to be Which the again kid's is pastor. a gigantic so, gaming app for kids. I mean, tens oh of yeah, millions. Fortnite and yeah. Minecraft also have those. Uh, you know, also have that. And so you think, well, not my kid, or you think my kid's safe. These things aren't out there. They are absolutely out there. These statistics bear out. Uh, you, the stories you read on the news, it's like, oh wow, that's terrible. But those are only newsworthy. Like that doesn't happen, to everybody. This is happening to a lot of them, and there are a ton of apps we don't know. So let's ask the the blunt question here that really needs to be asked. You're talking about parents, you're talking about kids. Obviously, there is a fine line that parents must figure out what it is, and I'm certainly in no position to say for sure what that is because my son is six months old. Um, you guys, Jackson, already, should not have little, a smartphone. So. I can rule on. I'll, I'll give you that. <laughs> yes, uh, <laughs> should not be texting good, good anybody. Call. That's exactly right. Um, but for for parents who do have kids, 10, 11, 12, middle school, high school. What's the age? Um, you know, I, I've, you've heard, I've heard people that have come out and said, hey, if your kid is not in high school, they don't need social media. Um, I think that that's uh, probably something that is uh, very realistic. In fact, that might even be too early to give them social media. But again, the fine line is you don't want them to, you know, not have anything. Then they get to age 18. Okay, you can have anything you want. And then they just unload on, you know, download every single app they can, you know, and they've just kind of been sheltered from it. So what should parents do? Again, Obviously, we it goes without saying. It depends on your kid. depends on the maturity level. It depends on if you – we're going to get into addiction to internet and things like that a little bit later on. If your kid – if you know your kid is going to be naturally prone to become addicted to gaming or whatever, that's a little different. But for social media, for all the dangers that are out there that Joe just went through, the, the sexual predators, obviously the pornography, the just kind of the stuff that we started talking about at the beginning of the episode, the, the negative impact that social media can have – I'm going to kick it to you guys. What do you think is an appropriate age? Again, it's relative. I get that. But let's not give the politically correct answer and just say, well, it depends. Let's actually put some numbers on it here. What do you all think is a good age for a kid? I guess, number one, uh, to be able to uh, you know, have a smartphone. And then number two, the social media side of things. I think I was 14 when my dad said, hey, you can get, you can get a Twitter. Um, for some people, that might be too young. Uh, for some people, that might be too old. Maybe it was too young for me. I don't know. What do you all think? Again, practical guidelines for parents on hey, this is the age or time range, I guess, that it would be appropriate for your kid to maybe get their first, you know, Twitter, Instagram, whatever it is. What do y'all think? Mm. Great question. Honestly, I'm leaning more toward the later, the better. And by later, I mean 16, 17, 18 years old, uh, in my opinion. But here's the kicker on that. That's right when you are sometimes at your most vulnerable. Uh, you are trying to figure out the world, especially as you get into college age, right? You're trying to figure out the world. And so you can easily turn to social media. It, it affects kids' self-esteem. That's a big time affecting kids' self-esteem because they're in high school and wanting to be cool. Um, I don't really see a good use. Like, if you're not on it, it's tough to tell people, like, 
get your kids on it or allow your kids to get on it. Every kid's going to want it, but you have to ask yourself as the parent, why am I allowing my kid to get on there? If it's at 14 or if it's at 12 because, oh, all their friends are on there, that's not a good answer, okay? Uh, it's, it's kind of the old adage that we used to have, if all of the kids jumped off a bridge, would you jump off a bridge? We tell our kids that. we As parents, we have to answer that question. If every other kid jumped off the bridge, would we let my kid jump off the bridge so they could be cool too? It's the same thing here. Like, well, and even even somebody like myself record. has seen the age that people get smartphones is getting lower and lower and lower. You know, when I was young, it was, you know. People stick iPads in front of two-year-olds. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, I want to get to that, especially with the next point, the, the iPads, tablets for kids and all that. But on this point, I want to answer it separately. First of all, a smartphone for kids and then social media for kids. Um, you know, I think it's smart to develop a kid in the same way you develop them in everything, where they grow into something, you know, uh what everybody my age did was you get the the flip phone that basically does nothing. In fact, I remember when texting like was coming onto the scene. So I, I'm the old dinosaur guy here. Jack. Um, my goodness, I was exactly. gonna say, do you remember remember what a T Rex looked like? <laughs> yeah, I mean like T, pretty cool T nine texting. Some people are gonna know what I'm I'm talking about with that and. People your age are looking at me like, what is that? <laughs> uh, it, it took forever what was to it, send, how are what you? What was it like watching uh, TV in black and white? <laughs> <laughs> Dude, the world was in black and white. I lived in black and white, and then like Wizard of Oz one day. Um, <laughs> so anyway, with that is you got your flip phone that did nothing. I mean, did nothing. And it, it texted and called. That was it. Um, you, you have that for a bit. You move on to something else. Um you know, and, and you can grow into these other things. But if you're going to give your 12-year-old a smartphone, you need to put such strong parental control locks on that thing that it comes to the point, like, why even have one? I mean, like, because of, of all the... Even if you let them have games on it, as Joe's saying, chat features on games and stuff like that, you can get around anything. And, and kids are a lot smarter than parents on tech. tech. On the other side is the... You know, even people my age who grew up with tech, it's changed so much. I mean, TikTok, I've never been on TikTok. Like, I don't, there's just stuff that's a world that Roblox, Minecraft, these things we're talking about, world outside of my world. And so, social media, on the other hand, the challenge here is the social media that a parent is on is not the social media the kid wants to be on, right? Right. Um, the, they might Facebook share is dying amongst teens. Yeah, I mean, kids don't want to be on Facebook. Why? Because their mom and their grandma are on it. Why, like, right. what's cool about that? Your friends aren't on that. And so um, there's less of an appeal to that. So they want to be on maybe Twitter, maybe Instagram, uh, TikTok, uh, whatever. Yeah, I mean, and, and again, I'm, I'm too far out of this at this point. And my kids are too young, so I, don't, I haven't had to educate myself on it. I'm not real helpful as to what the apps are, but they're going to want to be on things that are going to be hard to monitor if you are not actively using them. And so I would say you, uh, if you're going to let them onto these things, you've got to monitor it yourself, which really gets hard, gets muddy, gets unclear as to whether or not you're, you, you know you're monitoring everything they're doing. I don't think it's healthy for a kid, especially... As Joe said, in those developing years, 16, 17, somewhere in that range, it's towards where they're moving into adulthood, moving out of their high school years, moving out of that, that they need to, like, grow into these things. Anything, I'll just draw a line here. Anything before 16, I think it's a terrible idea. Any social media. I do too. That's what I'm going to say. That This is not gospel. This is just taking principles of stewardship, training your kids, bringing them into maturity in the faith, um, avoiding things like envy, avoiding things like, you know, pride and, and all the things that come from social media. That is, it is a lot to handle, and we need to recognize that. It's so commonplace that we don't realize that, but it is so much to handle. 
Well, it goes without saying, Joe, I'll kick, I'll kick it to you here, but it goes without saying also communicate with your kids about it, right? If, if you have them flying blind and you're, kind of, and you're kind of flying blind on what the plan is and on, you know, they're not really sure where you stand on an issue, guess what? If you, have a, if you give them a smartphone, they're probably going to download it themselves anyway. Communicate with your kids and say, look, these are the parameters that are, that are in place. These are the guidelines. If we're not allowing you to have social media at 15, here's why. And again, Kids aren't going to like it. That's that's the way it goes. Most of the time, your kid is going to be frustrated with you and say, "Well, all my friends have it. Why can't I?" But that those communication lines still must be open. You know, you must be, you know, bi- biblically guiding them and saying, "These are the reasons why we don't think this is a good idea. These are the reasons why we think it's a good to or best to wait one more year or whatever it is. Whatever the the guidelines and it's the same th- same type of parameters that people set uh, when it comes to kids and, and dating or or relationships or you know all the things that. They're going to get into one day. It's just a matter of you got to make sure you're communicating with them the the guidelines again biblically and why you're making the decision as parents that you are. And I find that those who are wanting their kids to engage at a younger age do not have a healthy respect for what these things are, for what smartphones are, and for what social media really is. You know, oh, it's it's harmless. It's certainly not harmless for multiple reasons. The brain science behind it. Kids are not ready for this. Um, so I and think you're this exactly is all right. All without talking about pornography, which we're going to do a standalone episode on. That is possibly the biggest threat of all this. We haven't even gotten to that side of it. And so, um, you know, other than more people trying to to lure and, and uh, get you know be predators towards kids that way. But as far as kids finding their way uh, to pornography or even adults, you know, like this stuff needs to be taken seriously. Um, and and as far as you know safety and and just being in front of screens one of the reasons why this is bad to start kids on so early is because there's an addictive nature and that was the the third and final thing we want to address in this uh, episode about internet concerns for christians is tech addiction uh it's not good for our mental health to stare at twitter all i mean twitter's the worst for me because it updates every second i mean there are tweets coming all the time especially the more people you follow the more tweets there are we have this term that it's been coined of doom scrolling you just you know you're looking at all the bad things going on in the world ukraine covid um it's elections. is it kind I mean, of the just... the equivalent of older people that just sit and watch the news all night right for for us younger people yeah. that's what it is you're exactly at yeah yeah yeah, I mean, you just you find yourself angry, you find yourself scared, you find yourself nervous, you find I sit find myself sitting here biting my nails like crazy, just you know, and 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 so the time we spend on there um, is not good for our mental health, but it's not good for our relationships either. Uh, husbands and wives staring at your phone, and I mean, everybody has seen. We've all got the stories. You go to lunch, you go to you know a restaurant, you look over, and there's a whole family everybody in their phones Sad, yeah. Yeah. or you know the one of uh, a grandparent will take the grandkid out and you'll look over and the kid's got his headphones on and his ipad right two inches from his face and you know somebody's gonna go well my my child has developmental issues they're autistic you know that uh this is this is the way that we can get them to behave in public if you're the exception to the rule it's not about you but if your kid is is capable of socially interacting but they're becoming incapable of it because incapable of it because of you're just letting them be sucked into a device that is really bad and so teaching kids as i said the two-year-old with ipad thing you brought up do you realize how wrecked these people are going to be at 20 years old this is not and i was actually i was actually going to transition into the safety or into the addiction based on um the brain science aspect of of the safety yes but there's a brain science aspect of kids are uh, especially prone to addiction based on their brain wiring and how much dopamine plays a part and how much the the kind of just go for it pathway in their brain 
the let's stop and think about a pathway, which really slows it down and causes the cognitive, the executive functioning to kick in and go, this isn't a great idea. That has not fully developed. The one that says just go for it has developed a lot faster. And so when you're sticking kids in front of these things, brain science-wise, we know this creates addiction really, really quickly. Matter of fact, even in studying for this, I'll throw out a couple stats and I want to read something I thought was interesting. Um, Some of these are mind-blowing. Children under two approximately spend one hour a day on screen media. Children two to eight spend two hours a day. Between eight and 12 spend four to six hours per day. And adolescents over 12 spend an average of seven to nine hours per day on screen media. Uh, You don't think we're getting kids addicted? 45% of kids aged three to four use YouTube and 70% of kids aged five to seven use YouTube. And this is another mind-blowing one. Between 2010 and 2015, so five years, the number of three to four-year-olds using the internet doubled from 19 to 39%. That was back in 2015. Three to four-year-olds, 39% of them were using the internet. Three to four-year-olds. What do you think happened after, My goodness. after COVID? What do you think happened? Like, they, they just, we allow them to get their minds sucked into this. Here's the interesting thing, though. They knew they were doing it. This is from Sean Parker, who... If anybody's seen The Social Network, that's Justin Timberlake's character. He was the uh, one of the first presidents of uh, Facebook, an early investor early on. I think he started Spotify, Napster. Um, big guy, big deal in the tech industry. He says, and then I'll, I'll kick it over, uh, Jack, back to you or, or to Will. Um, but Sean Parker said, The thought process that went into building these applications, Facebook being the first of them, was all about how do we consume as much of your time and conscious attention as possible? And that means that we need to sort of give you a little dopamine hit every once in a while because someone liked or commented on a photo or a post or whatever, he told Axios. And that's going to get you to contribute more content. That's going to get you more likes and comments. It's a social validation feedback loop, exactly the kind of thing that a hacker like myself would come up with because you're exploiting a vulnerability in human psychology. The inventors, creators, it's me, it's Mark, who's Zuckerberg, it's it's Kevin Systrom on Instagram. It's all of these people understood this consciously and we did it anyway. They very much understood what they were getting into. They knew that they were addicting kids. They were addicting people. The way that they set up the entire feedback loop was to addict, get people addicted to it because there's money in that. The guy is a billionaire because our kids are addicted. He realizes that. Most of these guys, including Bill Gates, I don't think Steve Jobs did, the CEO of Google, won't even allow their kids to have smartphones or to be on social media until at least 14. We're talking the most tech-advanced people in the world are saying, uh, we don't do that. They send their kids to Waldorf schools where they won't, um, they don't have any media, anything like that. So the people creating this that are creating the addiction that designed it to be addictive recognize this and don't allow their kids well, on there because of that reason. That speaks volumes and to I, We don't want to be the, the doomsday people here and just, you know, ranting and ranting and ranting. But there are so many dangers that we feel need to be illuminated. And one of them, you know, when you're talking about tech addiction for kids, their creativity goes out the window. You know, their ability to... To you know, you know how many kids don't read books anymore? You know, I'm gonna, I'm really gonna sound like the dinosaur here, but a lot of kids don't read anymore. Why? Because we've got them addicted to screens at age five and six, and so what's the books are boring, right? I'd rather just watch a movie or watch a TV show, and so it really does affect you know kids and their learning ability. It affects their ability to be to be creative, and then you get you know unfortunately young people that are not really able to carry out a. Uh, you know, a, a functioning conversation with somebody because they're not in front of a screen, right? Social skills are, are incredibly affected. Um, you know, it's something that I've even had to be careful of when it comes to just missing out on life's moments, right? Missing out on the things that you really need to be spending time, you know, face to face with people or, uh, you know, experiencing, you know, my son giggling for the first time or, or, you know, rolling over for the first time. It's like, 
if I'm too busy, and same thing with with the moments with my wife, if I'm too busy checking Twitter, if I'm too busy, you know, scrolling Facebook or whatever, I'm going to miss those things that life is really all about. And I think that's one of the reasons we wanted to bring this up for Christian parents is to understand if your kids are developing these habits now at an early age, what's it going to be like in 15 years when they're married? What, what, what are the marriage issues that they're going to have because of that? What about parent? What about the parenting issues? Are they going to be able to, you know, put away their phones and engage with their kids when that's that's what their kids need? These are important discussions that that have to be had because of this this danger of tech addiction. See, I'm glad you went there with it because we've been talking so much of the parents and kids thing. This addiction point, it's something to be wary about for kids. The best way to defeat it is to acknowledge it in ourselves. We sure. have a problem with this, and and you mentioned you know the, my life's big moments. We've we've gone on vacation together. How many times have you had it where people from all over the country? You know, some of the times when we've gone, it's people you know family from Colorado, Oklahoma, Tennessee, Texas. People coming all together, and we sit on a couch together, and everybody's got a phone or a tablet in their hands, <laughs> playing Wordle. Like we've or something, got yeah. this long together, you know, and and we're all just doing this, and it's like, what a waste. You know, like what the the phone is always going to be there, but there is the the fear of missing out thing. Oh, there's another tweet. There's going to be some news. There's some sports world stuff going on. There's something funny that somebody's posting. There's you know a conversation, a debate raging that that I need to be a part of. Like we talked about in the social media thing, and it's like get back to real life because this does affect your relationship. You know, I lived by myself for what was it three years before I got married, and that's a really quiet life. Right. Uh, it was me and the dog, you know, for a couple of years there. And then for a while, it's just me and myself. You you rely on the screen a lot. You know, like you just wake up. There's nobody to talk to. You check Twitter, you check Facebook, you check in with people on there. Um, and man, the, I did not realize the degree to which I had gotten addicted until I got married. And it, it, it had become it's become an issue in my marriage over the years. And it's something I've, I've really worked on. Uh, you know, that Allison has pointed out and I've told her, look, please let me know if, if you're trying to talk to me and my, it's bad. It's really bad. It's really disrespectful. As Will said, you're missing out on moments with your kids and my kids are running around playing. They're growing up and I'm sitting here stuck on Twitter reading tweets that don't matter at all. It's very bad for us. And then the other thing that it comes around to, and you guys have probably noticed the same thing. You sit down with your Bible, with maybe your prayer journal to try and have some quiet time with God how many times do you get that poll to oh, uh, you know reach for my pocket or I wonder what's going on over oh you know that tweet that I read that thing on Facebook I saw like the inability to be silent before God the inability to focus the inability to be in the moment to to have devotional thoughts and to to read the Bible and meditate on those words without these other thoughts coming in it's not good and so it, it is something that I, I again we talked about the kids angle this is something that I would say is I couldn't put a percentage on it, but it is well over 50, 70, 80, 90% of adults, especially under 50, have a smartphone addiction, and it's something we really have to do something about. I went out to eat with Alyssa a little while back, and we were having a really good conversation. Phones weren't out. They were put away. Uh, luckily, somebody was watching the kids for us, and it was just a really good time, and we look over, and there were some, there were two 70-year-olds, a, a husband and wife, and they were both on their phones, and I was like, this is really <laughs> That's <backwards>. ironic. <laughs> Yeah, this is really weird. I mean, this happens, like you said, Jack, I think the the predominantly under 50, but this is all the way up of people that have allowed it to affect every part of their lives. And if you want to have your kid not be addicted, model that for them. Show them what that looks like. It's really difficult to, well, we're hypocrites is what it is. It's really difficult to preach something to our kids. We'll get off those phones, right? And yeah, why, why do our kids keep trying have, to steal our phones off the table or whatever else? Because we're always looking at them. It, clearly, there's something interesting yeah. there. That's why the kid wants the phone. 
And when it comes to like Bible time and such, what I would say to people, so many people use uh, their tablets, use their phones as their Bible. Please don't. Uh, as a practical tip, uh, I think there's, and we're, we're about to get into practical tips and wrap it up, but I would say the first thing is get yourself a physical copy of the Bible to study. Uh, I understand Blue Letter. There's some great things. I got logos on my phone and on my computer, and I can use those, or Logos, depending on how you want to pronounce it. Um, and I have those things that can be a real help, but you know what? You just need sometimes to be in the Word without having a little ding pop up, and next thing you know, I was right in the middle of a study of James, and now I'm handling a text or a work thing or whatever else. So I would get a physical copy of the Bible and and try to avoid screens as much as possible when it comes time to your time with God. But fellas, what other practical tips would you like to share with those who are, and maybe we can kind of wrap it up in terms of using social media, the glory of God with safety and with addiction. What practical tips you want to leave people with? The one that I would say, I guess I have two. The one that I would say is um, the handy dandy uh, screen time feature that Apple products that iPhones and iPads have. Um, If you don't have an iPhone, um, that's that's a, a you problem, not me. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but no, <laughs> the uh, Apple. I, I think that is. We'll pray Androids, for you. Androids, you know that most devices have some kind right, of widget yeah. like that. But the the idea is you can put limits on certain apps. You know, I've got um, certain limits on just social media apps. You can even put limits on uh, your texting and and all and things like that. Take advantage of those, especially for for kids. And you know, hey, once you've used your allotted time, you're done. But again, as as Joe and Jack were just talking about, even for us adults, you know, we can get so sucked into 10 minutes gone by, 20 minutes gone by of just scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. If you got those limits on there, once you're done, you're done for the day. And obviously, you know, give somebody else the password so that you can't just say, well, I'm done. You know, I'll just go ahead and click it here. Um, so use those features. They're, you know, have, have a feature where your your stuff shuts off at 6 o'clock at night or 8 o'clock at night or whatever so that you can spend time with your wife, your, your family, the stuff that you really need to be doing. Um, and then the other, I guess, tip that I would say is when it comes to social media, less is less is more um and I, I don't know any other way to put it other than don't miss out on the stuff the the real life stuff because you're too busy on social media I, i'm on social media i'm on two or three forms of it i'm not somebody that says let's just get off all of it but i am somebody who believes less is more you know spend some time on it you know kick back if you have a few minutes you know whatever but when it's family time make it be family time as jack brought up when it's vacation time with with friends and people that you don't see very much let it be vacant don't let it be twitter and facebook time less is more use it sparingly and when you do use it use it for for good purposes again you, you might be getting this podcast from social media there are good purposes behind it but when it comes to the endless scrolling less is more so again those would kind of be the two tips that i have use the screen time features and then um again just make sure you you understand less is more when it comes to social media jack what do you think oh go ahead joe sorry no, I'll go ahead. I'm, I'm going to jump over him because he's my little brother, and that's what I'm going to do. Um, you showed me something, Will. I didn't. I had never seen it before. But you had your phone out, and there was a widget that counted your like uh, your your time on the phone. Yep. Like it's just right there on your front page. It tells you how long you've been on your phone. I've I downloaded that, and man, my toes were stepped on. <laughs> like you don't think you're on that much, and then when you get a thing of like you've been on five and a half hours today, like whoa how is that possible you know like and and then you think back of oh it's just one of those days the you know some major supreme court decision drops and you're just on twitter getting the updates getting the guess what it's not going to change like there's not it is what it is you got the news get off you know and and so having something like that a counter one of the biggest things about the, the tech addiction is physical distance 
keeping it plugged in outside of your room. So when you wake up in the morning, the first thing isn't you grab your phone and, you know, start going or, you know, at night you're scrolling through it. That makes your sleep worse. It, you know, you're not praying when you wake up. You're not praying, you know, like getting to the important things. Next thing you know, you spend half an hour scrolling social media. It's not great. So physical distance that way, but at your devotional time, when you're with God, put your phone on silent, put it away from you, like not on the table or in your pocket. I mean, like in the other room. Um, with your, your wife and kids at night, when you come home from work, or whatever, plug it in, go spend time with them. You know, you can go get it out later if, if that's what you want, but, but have those times where you are physically distant from, I've even had things where, you know, in, in recent times where I've, I've briefly left the house without it. And for every human in history up until 10 years ago, that wasn't a big deal. Now it's like a big deal, like, oh, is everything going to be okay? It's going to be okay. It worked for billions of people for thousands of years. It'll work for now. Run into the store, go in to pick something up, you know, just down the street or wherever you live, go without your phone. You know how nice it is being out of touch? And so really taking those kind of breaks where you can. Um, you know, I've got the four little kids. I don't get to do that very often. But, you know, at, at times where you do, take those breaks, get the physical distance from it, and and really pay attention to how it affects Pay attention to how many times you're reaching for your pocket, how many times you're standing in line, you're in traffic, whatever, you just go for it. Think about what is a better use of my time? Uh, you know, how many books could I be getting through if I were doing that instead of Facebook? How many, how many books know, how much of the Bible time would I have? Through, right? right. Yeah. I mean, just carry a pocket Bible with you and reach for that instead. I mean, just do things like that to, to be aware of it. Joe, do you have any practicals? Yeah, I do. Uh, first, I would say if you're a parent... Um, get educated, okay? Get educated on these things. You have to, yes, spend a little more screen time. Um, get on Google. What apps are being used? Get on your kid's phone. What apps are they using? Uh, you need to be the expert in your kid's life on these and things. And stop handing them a tablet. They're just It's please, not good please for stop them. them. Yeah. It's not good for you. It's not good for your family. It just It's really, we really just, harmful. We just took a long road trip. We just came back from Colorado. It's 18 hours with our boys. We have a three-year-old and a one-year-old. Um, 18 month, 19 month old. And I thought, man, there's a couple whiny moments. Well, eh, we're on a trip. We're trying not to do the screen thing. We could just hand them back the iPad or whatever. My wife's like, we're not going to do it. And we went an entire 18 hour trip. Our kids didn't touch an iPad. They looked out the window. We talked to them. We sang, we did other things like, wow. Oh yeah. That's what we used to do as kids, right? Like this is, so what I tell families is, you know, first off, get educated. Second off, don't trade quality for convenience. Okay. The quality time. Um, for what is convenient. Don't trade quality sleep for what's convenient. Uh, but I think about things like a an alarm clock. Invest in a good alarm clock. Well, my phone is my alarm clock. Put it outside the room, get a good alarm clock. This is stepping on my toes because I this is something I've been thinking about a lot recently because I use my phone and how often am I checking it? Um, you know, we, we use it for our recipes. We use it for our reading, for Kindle, things like that. It's not good for our eyes. It's not good for a number of things. It, yes, it's more convenient, but it's not near nearly as quality as other things. And so to the best of your ability, get physical copies of things and, and make time without your phone to really seek out quality time. Yes, you may have be able to spend more time by talking with somebody or texting with somebody, but as much as you can, Pay for a flight to go out and see that person. Get on the phone, call them, whatever it may be. Uh, try to remember that quality is what matters, not necessarily quantity, not necessarily convenience when it comes to the world of media. And then the last thing I'd say is there's a, a family media plan that you can Google, just Google family media plan, and it helps parents understand how do I talk to my kids about this? 
what are some things that we can set in place? So there's a, you know, a 2017 Washington Post article had questions like, what activities will you and your family prioritize before turning on Netflix? How about homework, playing outside for 60 minutes, practicing a favorite hobby, chores? When will family members put screens away? After 8 p.m., whenever driving, whenever someone is speaking to you? Where will all phones and tablets charge at night? A charging station in the kitchen? Things like that. There's multiple questions. I won't go down the entire list. Um, but I think those are really important to discuss with your family and to have your kids be on the same page of, look, this is the family media plan. Everybody's abiding by this. We have to model it for them first. But we have answers to those questions of how we use it. And then get creative with it. Uh, one of the, I, I found this, it was great. It was on, it may have been on that article or a different one. Ask them to create a bucket list of 25 things they would do if screens didn't exist and then suggest they take a 24-hour vacation from screens, encouraging them to accomplish some bucket list tasks during that time. I thought that was fantastic. You know, get creative with your kids. Have them, let them have fun with it. Make sure that they associate um, fun with, not just with their phones. Make sure they associate coping with all sorts of emotions, not just with their phones. Um, I will briefly say this because i got to wrap up here, but uh, I hate when people tell their kids, you know, they, they get in trouble or the kid gets angry, go to your room. And what's, what is in the kid's room? Well, he's got his laptop, his tablet, his phone, and a TV in the room. And so what we do is every time you get angry, go to your room, self-isolate, and binge out. Why is that appropriate? No wonder why we're creating addicts is every single time you have a negative emotion, you're told, isolate, get away from the family until you quote unquote calm down. And they go jump on TikTok and watch videos for the next hour until they're calm and they can come back. That's horrible. Why would you do that? But we do that. So Anyway, what I like to say, and, and I'll wrap up here, is sometimes it's really good to go back, try to live what it was like when you were a kid. Remember what it was like when you were a kid, when you used to climb trees and sometimes you got hurt. You go play street hockey with your buddies and they'd, they'd shoot the hard hockey ball right off your shins and it really hurt. And, you know, it's like, what are you going to do? Maybe somebody could go in and call mom on, on the, uh, the phone that's attached to the landline. But overall, you sucked it up. You got over it. We're kids. We have fun. We fight. We, we play. It's a good time. Let your kids do that. And for adults, just remember what it was like. Go back to 1990. Go back to 1960. Have fun. Play. We were really creative back then, and we had a good time. I think the key with all of this, both with this episode and the previous episode, when we talked about the keeping families, keeping kids safe during the summertime with all the temptations there, and then with this one with the Internet and tech addiction, um, I think the key is make sure that you're not just comfortable doing what the rest of the world does. Don't justify a certain behavior or a certain action a certain pastime just because well that's what everybody else is doing question these things it's okay to question in fact it's usually beneficial to question if the world is going a certain direction we probably need to be going the other direction and so that's been the purpose for the last two episodes again last one if you didn't catch it was about how do we keep our kids and family safe and focused on god during the summer and with this one with the internet um, as always, if you've got something else to add, maybe a particular strategy that's really, really worked for your family, maybe a tip that you think might be helpful, um, drop, a, drop a comment. Um, you know, just we're, we'll post these all over Facebook. Let us know. You know, this is these are things that I think all of us would agree we don't have every single answer for. Again, our kids are not even to the age yet. These are just things that we've observed. These are things that we've seen with other kids and other families. Let us know if you've got tips, if you've got advice, if you've got maybe some against any kind of feedback whatsoever but that's been the purpose for these two episodes is let's question what everybody else is doing and maybe go a different direction you know does our view align more closely with god's or with the world's that's the question we always need to ask uh, guys unless you have anything else to add before we wrap up i think that is going to uh, wrap this episode of the think deeper podcast